Hello and welcome to the House of Fab. I'm your host, Keith Jordan, and we have the fabulous Dr. Green Jr. with us today. Welcome, welcome. Good morning. Um, so today we will be continuing our conversation on the murder rates of transgender transgender people of color. So please stay tuned and view discretion is not advised. Hello, Dr. David Green. What's your gender identity? I identify as a cisgender male with effeminate expression. Wow. And, I mean, do you um, mind telling us your sexuality? Mm, I'm gay. Openly gay. Has been since 1984. That's a long time. That's when I was born. Wow. And what is your job here at SAGE? I am the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at SAGE. And that means that I work with the college on uh, making the campus more inclusive, uh, talking about racial, gender, mm. um, gender identity expression, um, difference, really, and making difference to side of empowerment. Wow. I mean, that's a really big position to have here in this PWI school. When you say PWI, you talking about a predominantly white institution. Yes. Yes. Safe to the diverse, but it's historically a white school. Mm-hmm. And have you ever experienced workplace discrimination here? Yes, not here at Sage. Okay. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience? It was awful. It was very bad. It was almost I was almost blindsided by it and it happened with two white women. Wow. Um, that's pretty interesting. I mean, do you um kinda inform people on um what they have to do regarding those situations and yeah i mean in terms of if a person ever felt like they were racially discriminated or discriminated against in any form i then direct them to the title nine officer dish paul duga okay so since this interview is about transgender people of color um do you know anyone in your life that is transgender yes um have you talked to them about their experiences as um, a transgender woman or male? or? Yes, and it was um, many a few years ago now, I was delivering a paper at Princeton University on um, Asato Saint. Asato mm. Saint was a black gay activist uh, in New York City mm. uh, in the 1980s and 90s, and he died of HIV. Well, he died of AIDS. No one dies from HIV. He died from AIDS. And... Um, I was speaking with a colleague who I had met many years ago, uh, who identified as a female, and her name was Kiana, and they had transitioned to Kai, transitioned to being male identity and expression. Um, And I was struggling with not necessarily accepting it, but just referring to Kai by Kai as opposed to Kiana and using the proper pronouns, uh, gender pronouns. And so it was a struggle for me because it was the first time I had direct um, I was an adult. Mm. I was uh, I was um, knowledgeable about the world, um, but that was the first time I had an intimate relationship with someone in terms of a colleague, right? Mm. Um, who transitioned right before really my eyes, um, and that person's experience taught me a lot about compassion and about what it means to be um, accepting and um, open to how people choose to live their lives outside of how it was chosen for them. Wow. And what are your thoughts on transphobia? It's awful. It's violent. It's unnecessary. 
I mean, does it happen often? Yes. And have you ever encountered it? As an, I'm not a trans person, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't necessarily say I, I encountered transphobia in terms. I mean, you know, in terms of someone inflicting it upon me, mm-hmm. I have seen it. Mm-hmm. I it it occurs, and it's sometimes hard to untangle transphobia from racial, you know, racism because if you're a black a trans person. And if you are attacked by violence, then no one can just say that's transphobia. It can also be race, racism. It can also be kind of misogynoir. It can also be transphobia. Mm. Are all happening at once. Wow. And are you aware of the violence against the trans community? Yes. And are you aware of the amount of um, the current rates of violent attacks on people who identify as trans? Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, you know, you know. Trans murders, mm-hmm. the murders of trans people of color in the U.S. has a long, long, long history. It just does not start with our current moment. In fact, we might think of someone like Marsha Johnson mm-hmm. in the 80s, um, whose body was found floating in the Hudson River as an incident of trans violence or violence acting against a trans person. You might think about the multiple, multiple raids in New York City clubs and gay clubs across the country where drag queens and trans folks would go to express who they are in, 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 in a happy way in the invasion of police officers into those spaces. You might think of when trans folks who are also sex workers are you know, engaging in their own economy so people come and invade them. So this is not a new um, thing. You might even think of the Harlem Renaissance. You might go way, 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 way back. Um, and so today, I mean, I feel like a trans person is murdered every single day. Yes. You know, when a, a trans person, particularly a trans person of color, who is a trans person of color who is also poor, right, in, in their city, is murdered every single day. That is such a kind of vulnerability to be black or a person of color, trans and poor, because no one will believe you, no one will care. You are a valueless body in this country, so no one is going to care to investigate, much like Marsha Johnson, the police, what, five or so minutes on her case and dismissed it, you know, so... Wow. And do you know that it was reported that since 2013, 128 murders of transgender people have occurred? Do you believe that the media media has it wrong? Evolved? No, um, has it wrong. Like, got the information wrong. I think that's the reported number, if Mm -hmm. it is such. I mean, again, not everything is reported, much like with sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Not everyone reports their sexual assault, and not every sexual assault is reported. Sometimes not even documented. Back in the uh, 80s, for example, when women who were being, um, who were um, uh, subjects of domestic violence, Mm -hmm. right, and they will call into the police system in California, and the police officers wouldn't even document it. So it was a number of women who was like, well, my, my, my case isn't documented. And it's the same thing with trans murders and trans violence and people reporting their experiences with violence as trans folk. So some of it is not even reported. Does the media get it right? I wouldn't necessarily say that they don't get it right, but I will say that there's stuff that is underreported and not reported. You know, 80% of um, the trans people who died um, these past few years were people of color. And are you surprised by that high no. rate? Wow. Because racism is a structural part of the American fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be black again is one thing. To be brown again is one thing. And to be trans is an additional thing that causes people to just not even want to care. 
Um, so I'm not surprised that at that number. Oh, and I just wanted to ask you about um, as a gay man, um, as a gay man myself, um, do you believe that transphobia happens within the LGBTQ community? Yes. Um, and have you ever like, like have have you ever seen it mm-hmm. from your own eyes, mm-hmm. a person from our community mm-hmm. being transphobic? Yes, a lot of a lot of um. Uh, gay organizations mm-hmm. have the gay agenda, mm-hmm. right? Which sometimes marginalizes the trans agenda. Mm-hmm. I've seen it here in the Capital District. I've seen it in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I lived previously in Ithlin, Ann Arbor. And I certainly see it in Florida, where I grew up mm-hmm. uh, and, where I, and where I went to school. Uh, I see it in my research all the time. So. Well, um, I... I know that it happened during the Stonewall riots. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the, I mean, drag queens or people who are trans were not being recognized, but they were the leaders of the riots mm-hmm. themselves. Um, I also want to ask you: Could transphobia be the root of all of the violent attacks against trans people? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, so as a gay man, do you feel obligated to do something for the trans community, even though you're not trans yourself? Yes, I do. And I say that because you mentioned the Stonewall riots. Mm-hmm. The Stonewall riots occurred in 1969. We are actually celebrating 50 years of Stonewall. Yes. Um, and it was because people like Sylvia Rivera and, the, and, and Marsha P. Johnson and a lot of their friends who were young, drag, and trans. Marsha Johnson has this wonderful story. She goes, some of us can't just leave this and pick up. Well, you know, and put on our makeup the next day. You know, she, so Marsha was someone who uh, lived as a woman. Wow. Um, and so it's because of those folks, right, that I am indebted to do not just the research I do, but the, the bravery that I embody, or at least I try to embody. Um, I don't think it's quite the same as Marsha or Sylvia's because, you know, you know, I'm not just that brave. You know, I'm a pretty brave person, but they were brave, brave, you know. Um, so I do feel a lot. So when I teach... A lot of the material that I teach on gender sexuality, mm-hmm. on lesbians and gay studies, I start with them with trans folks, right? I really talk about the history of transsexuality in the country. I really talk about transgender subjectivity. And even here at Sage, I did one of the first trans and inclusive workshops. And I, when I got here two years ago, within four months, we had a trans and gender inclusive policy. So about the, you know, the bathrooms and with the help of rest lives, the housing, and with the help of the registrar, the name policy. So just putting all the pieces together. Wow. And I know you mentioned Marsha P. Johnson a couple of times, and I I want to ask you that, I mean, homelessness is on the rise for trans people. I personally have a few um, homeless friends who are trans. Um, why do you think that's the case? Because um, uh, there, there's not one thing to 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 say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the reality is that <clears throat> histories of racism, mm-hmm. <clears throat> histories of class elitism, histories of access that exclude folks. There's so many multiple structures of inequalities that exist in the world that start with anti-black racism, mm-hmm. that start with homophobia and transphobia. 
Uh, that, and, and because of these legacies exist, people don't often get jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have so many companies who are um, now creating these policies, not just for equal opportunity and affirmative action, but really trying to embed into their policies a kind of non-discriminatory um, um, language around gender identity and expression. And that could include and should include and must include trans identity. So until we get there, there's going to be often people who identify as trans, particularly people of color, who don't get jobs, not because they're not qualified, but because the ideology of a company or the person who's doing the hiring um, is racist and it's homophobic and it's transphobic. Mm. And, I mean, are you, like, aware of any, like, resources for trans people in those predicaments? Yeah, so I, w- I am a um, board member at uh, In Our Own Voices. And In Our Own Voices is uh, an organization in the Capital District located in Albany, located off of Lark Street, that provides social services and economic resources for people of color and particularly trans people of color. Um, but they have social services for everyone. They have designated folks for everyone um, who need help in multiple ways, whether it's jobs, they're hiring, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> whether it's community building, whether it's uh, access to HIV uh, testing and other medical uh, needs. Um, whether it's food for their families and sometimes shelter. Um, and so regarding resources, actually, um, let's talk about, like, legally, are there any laws that specifically protect people who are trans? There should be, and I can't recall them off top. I know that there was the end of the End Discrimination Act, mm-hmm. um, I would say the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Transgender Law Center would be the best resources for anyone. Their website uh, could help folks understand the laws and protections that trans folks have. New York State uh, has the Dignity Act or something like that. They have, New York State has a lot of um, uh, legislation and laws that protect against discrimination and a writ large, and that's inclusive of race and gender and identity and expression. What what advice do you have for a person who is trans and struggling with their identity? And I would I my advice would be to embrace the struggle, mm-hmm. to understand that identity uh, development um, will be a constant evolution, even if we think we've mastered it, um, and to know that even I myself, people like myself, people like yourself, people like everyone, will always think about their identity and that this person isn't alone. Um, so to embrace it and to love the moment so they can love themselves throughout each of the moments that they uh, undergo in terms of identity development. Um, and at the end of that process, really throughout the process should be kind of this poetics of love, right? This speaking love into existence of who you are uh, in a way that's both compassionate and brave. Um, and that would be my advice. And then I'll say, Try to see if you can come and speak to someone like myself or try to see if you can go to an organization like In Our Own Voices. Um, try to reach out to people who you may or may, who you may know will understand um, what you're going through, this new process. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Green, for coming. $35 million. <laughs> um, this is a non-for-profit organization. I'm not non-for-profit.
Thank you for coming, Dr. Green. And um, you've heard it here. You're not alone. You, there is support here. And um, thank you.